Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast and then thought, man, I just, I don't even know where to begin. Well, I have the perfect answer for you. It's Anchor. They have all the tools you need to get started right away, all in one spot. You can do it from your phone or your computer. They'll even distribute for you, so you don't have to go looking for places to get your podcast out. But the best part is it's all free. That's right. You can sign up today without any hassle at all. You can even start making money right from the beginning. It's everything you need in a podcast in one place. So check it out today. Go to anchor.fm or download the free Anchor app to get started. But I'm going to just go ahead and invite uh, Jay Schiffman up to share his story. So let's give it up for Jay. Welcome to the Choose Your Struggle podcast. I am your host, Jay Schiffman. Hello and welcome to episode 37 of the Choose Your Struggle podcast. Welcome back. Really delighted to have you all this week. Every week I get people reaching out, which is wonderful. Honestly, y'all have heard me harp on this enough, so I'm not going to go into that. But last week, for whatever reason, all of y'all decided that Instagram and Snapchat were the way to reach out. So thank you to everyone who did. You know, I, I posted this on, on my Instagram, but I had three different friends reach out the same day to say, sorry, I've been such a bad friend, but I finally listened to your podcast and it was wonderful. I can't believe I haven't been listening before. I'm going to do so going forward, which is very sweet of them. It made me realize that, that I needed to be clear on this. And I ended up posting this on, on Instagram as well. I don't ever fault people in my life for not listening. I appreciate every single one of you who does listen. There's a good amount of you, and I really appreciate that. So thank you. I also appreciate my friends. And when the two overlap, it's just gravy. So thank you for that. Weirdly enough, all three chose the episode with Ivy to start listening, which is cool. They all loved that. Clearly, that was a wonderful episode. Last week with John was also a wonderful episode. I had a bunch of people reach out. This week will also be pretty educational, I hope. As the title suggests, we're talking about suicide. My guests are Kimmy Booser Clancy and Sam Clancy. They are a daughter and father combo, the hosts of the incredible podcast, I'm a big fan, Leaving the Valley, which talks about suicide. Shout out to Haley Granger, a good friend of the podcast for reminding me that I should probably have a trigger warning. If the topic of suicide is not one that you feel comfortable with, that's completely understandable. As a survivor of two suicide attempts, I can tell you that personally, I feel very empowered talking about it. That being said, I know that's not the case for everybody. And so if you decide to turn this one off, perfectly fine. I completely understand. Thank you to my guests. They were very open and giving of their time, and I appreciate that. The shout-out this week is from a awesome guy. I got connected with him when he had me on his podcast, Simple Podcast Cloud Show, where we talked about podcasting. He is Mark Kumar. Really cool guy. I, I've really enjoyed getting to know him. So you'll hear a shout-out where to find his, but you, as always, you can check the show notes. And social media, I always tag 
uh, the people that I am talking about or talking to in the show. So uh, without further ado, I am going to say enjoy this episode. Oh, wait, new <laughs> new podcast sponsor. Shout out to Kia Babies. Thank you for jumping on the show. You'll hear that ad later in the show. Okay, without further ado, enjoy this episode. My name is Mark Kumar. I'm a lifestyle entrepreneur. People who may not know what the hell in the world is a lifestyle entrepreneur. A lifestyle entrepreneur is somebody who has a passion and then creates a business around it rather than the other way around. The mindset, no matter where you are, if you are starting out, and you were like, man, I got this nine to five job. I want to stop my side hustle and then turn that side hustle to another full-time thing. The first thing you have to go through is your mindset. The reason, by, the reason being is because when you go to your nine to five job, you only have one thing to do, the work that is given to you. And that is that. You don't have to think about the marketing part. You don't have to think about sales. You don't have to think about the, all the different things that other business person has to think about it. So what I call is that employee mindset and you got the business owner mindset. And an employee mindset, only thing he or she has to care about is the skill that he or she has and get really good at, that's it. And then because you're an employee, that's a very, very bare minimum requirement for you to become an entrepreneur because you have to have a skill before you go in the real world or entrepreneurial world. So that way you can help other people and as a result of that, you get money. So when you go into shift into your uh, employee to a business mindset, you will have to do things that you never thought you would be able to do or going to do. But those are things that you have to do. And then one of the challenges that I had when I went from employee to entrepreneur level, is like, oh my God, I gotta go tell people that I wanna, I wanna sell to them. That's like, whoa, I didn't have that skill. But the first time you try anything, you're gonna fail. It's okay to fail, but the key is, fail fast so that way you can move forward. And don't ever give yourself the excuse like, oh, I failed and it's never gonna work for me. There's one key factor that works across the board no matter where you live in the world. No matter what language you speak, it does not matter. It's called mega credibility. Mega credibility, there's a whole talk I to talk about that, but to put it in the simplest term, do the things you say you're going to do. Simple as that. And if you could do that, it is that simple. For example, let's say you were going to meet your friend on a Monday afternoon, 5 p.m. And then you told your friend, I'm gonna meet you 5 p.m. at that bar. And if you just do that by going there, say I'm here in that person's mind or your friend's person's mind, you have the really good credibility because you do what you say. So therefore your, their trust factor or their ability to trust you is gonna go high. If you do that three times, then they trust is going to turn into believe, then you will, whatever you tell them, they will 100% believe you. And that's it. So mega bill, mega credibility is do what you're going to say. And that's that. Go to markkumar.com and then just click on the contact button. And then if you mentioned that you heard me on this particular podcast, I'll give you a 30 minutes complimentary session with me one-on-one in which you can ask me anything. And it's only because you guys are listeners of this show. So it looks like we're going to be hanging out inside for at least a little while longer. And with the colder months coming up fast, 
There's never been a more perfect time to stock up on all your comfy clothes. Lucky for you, you listen to the Choose Your Struggle podcast, and I have a sweet deal for you today. Check out my sponsor, Pair of Thieves. They've got everything you need, from shorts to lounge pants to underwear and bras. They even have a line of Disney socks with all your favorite characters on it. But here's the best part. If you use the link in the show notes or on my podcast website and the discount code Rakuten Thieves, don't worry, that's in the show notes too, you'll get 20% off every full price item in your shopping cart. So stock up on all your comfy clothes today and help out the podcast in the process. Hey, I'm Kimmy Buser Clancy, and I am one of the hosts of the podcast, Leaving the Valley, What You Should Know About Suicide. Um, I'm an actor, a voice actor, an activist, and uh, a self-described optimist, and I'm really excited to be with you today. Thank you. And I'm Dr. Sam Buser. Uh, I'm a psychologist uh, in Houston, Texas. And I primarily work for the Houston Fire Department, but I also have a private practice. And my particular interests are in the psychology of men. That's one of the areas that I specialize in uh, when I'm not chasing Kimmy. Yeah, you're my dad, you might want to say. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> I guess that explains why I'm not chasing Kimmy. <laughs> that's a weird thing to say if you don't say it. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> and you also co-host the show <laughs> yes that's important that's an important as you guys can uh, my listeners you can all tell that the, these two have a very fun relationship together and personally as a listener to their show um i was actually just listening to one of their recent episodes while i was on the extradized bike uh, about an hour ago it makes the conversation conversation so much more uh, attainable and and so much more open because you both know each other so well there's a lot of trust there and and it's something that I truly enjoy uh, about your show because there's there's something that most of us in, that work in this business do which is essentially that we're so comfortable with our darkness that we help other people sit in theirs and you two are just so clearly incredibly trusting of each other and comfortable with each other you can have these tough conversations in, in, a, in an understanding, but also familiar way. That's the goal for sure. On the show, we want to, you know, our desire to have, if you're going to have a podcast about suicide is you have to make it something that people um, actually want to listen to. And there's certainly nothing wrong with exploring um, the sadness that is rightfully associated with some of these mental health issues, including suicide and suicide prevention. But if we're going to do a weekly podcast on that, we want to spend some time in the light. And we want to try to, in a way that is authentic, provide hope. Because there's a lot of, when you look at the stats on suicide and suicide prevention, there's actually a lot of hope. Like, intervention works. And um, that, I think, for me, when I look at it as the non-clinical person, the real challenge is just, well, how do we get people to understand what intervention might look like? So Sam, before you, uh, before we get into that, because that is, uh, that's where we're going with this. If you wouldn't mind, Sam and then Kimmy will go the opposite direction this time. Tell a very quick rundown of, you know, who you are and how you got to this place. So uh, probably like uh, most psychologists and therapists, uh, I was trying to figure out my own family history. Uh, 
I think I was trying to make sense of that. And that's what drew me to an interest in psychology and then into more specialized areas uh, like working with men. So uh, I had wanted to uh, understand why do people do the crazy things they do? Um, and I've had good fortune along the way to have a number of experiences where I worked with a variety of different kinds of people, a variety of different settings. And I've done a lot of things that a lot of uh, psychotherapists haven't done. I've, I was a military officer. Uh, I was a tank commander. Uh, I had uh, worked in the military intelligence. I worked, uh, I drove a dump truck for a while. So I've done a lot of things that give me a sort of an understanding of what it's like to be uh, the average Joe, if you will. And I think that's been helpful to me uh, so that I can relate a lot of times to guys who are struggling with uh, whatever kind of problem. And Kimmy, how about, how about you? Oh man. Um, I, uh, I'm an eclectic sort of person and I feel like maybe not that different than my pop. Um, I have lots of different skills and a lot of different interests. I've never been someone who really wanted to take the easy path, fortunately for me. Um, but I have some great stories of uh, lived and learned experiences. And, um, you know, I walked a 500 mile pilgrimage from the south of France to the northwest of Spain. I lived and worked in a copper mine in Chile. Um, I'm an actor and I face rejection every day. Um, and the, and for myself, I've always had an interest in mental health. My, obviously my, my father is a psychologist and, um, what was really clear to me from a young age is that I got some tools growing up that other kids didn't have. Um, and that's been true my whole life. I and mean, when I was younger, I probably couldn't have vocalized it like that, but looking back, I can see that, you know, I was able to cope with things that have happened to me differently than some of the people around me because I grew up in a place where communication was really valued and expressing your feelings was really valued and honored um, and listening to each other was was important. I'm thankful for those experiences. Launching into into your podcast, into your work, there's something that I'm, I'm really hearing from both of you and that is a relatability. And that doesn't surprise me again as a listener to your show. You know, Sam, your your past of uh, work allows you to relate to people more than I would say the average uh, psychologist. In fact, a lot clearer than most psychologists. And Kimmy, your lived experience is you know you worked in a copper mine as as, as you, you do. as one does. Uh, yeah, as one <laughs> does. You you've hiked through France again as one does, and and it allows you again to connect to people in a more authentic way and kind of between the two of you you're, you're covering a lot of the map here i guess my question is 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 more so you recognize that in yourselves and in your in your ability obviously because that's a lot a big part of your show but how do you get from that to going all right we're gonna start a show on suicide talk about that kimmy because i think that's a good story sure um well, it's in our podcast, but legitimately what occurred is a friend of mine posted a cry for help on social media, pretty blatant, um, I'm highly suicidal, I would like to end my life kind of statement on um, social media. And uh, to say that it shocked me uh, would be an understatement. 
I knew this person was struggling. And I think one of the things that I've learned a lot in these conversations with my father is that I wasn't shocked that this person was having problems. I was shocked that it had gotten to this point. Um, and unlike probably any other friend that I have, I, I knew somebody I could talk to about this person's suicidality. Um, and I asked my dad, well, what should I say? What do I do? And the thing that was most interesting to me is that as someone who grew up in a home where we talked about mental health, even I didn't know what to say. Um, and it just so happens that my dad's work over the last decade nearly um, has been on suicide prevention, almost not exclusively, but with a huge emphasis on suicide prevention because first responders have such high rates of suicide. So we had a conversation about what I should tell this friend. And then I had all these follow-up questions about, all right, well, what if they say this? And then, or what should I do if this other thing happens or if they make another post? And, you know, that turned into a series of conversations that we, we wound up having. And now we, we decided eventually, gosh, wouldn't it be great if more people could ask someone like my dad these questions? And what's a free way that we could get some info out there? Because unfortunately, as I'm sure you've covered in your show in the past, you know, mental health is sometimes like in an ivory tower. Um, so we were like, well, this is a way we can democratize the subject. This is a way we can create something that's evergreen that people can learn from even after we're not making the show. Um, and, and that's really been the goal and ambition and hopefully the track that we're on. Yeah, I think uh, not only has mental health really been unattainable or, or the conversations around mental health been unattainable for a lot of people, but you deal with, as, as we joke in this industry, the double whammy, right? Mental health already has a lot of stigma and, and is really tough to talk about for a lot of people. And you take it a step farther and deal with the topic that even some people in the mental health world don't want to talk about and then the suicide. And obviously we need more people talking about it. I guess, Sam, my question to you then is what was it originally about that subject that attracted you to making it your focus? Well, mainly it was a need because uh, as Kimmy alluded to, uh, when you work with first responders, you have a high risk population. Uh, the uh, average uh, first responders uh, rate of suicide the rate of suicide among them is is twice to three times what it is of the of the normal population, so their their rate of suicide is more similar to what you'd see with a combat veteran. So I began uh, this work with uh, first responders. I'm inundated with people who are uh, thinking of suicide, who made past suicide attempts, who have indeed. Uh, you know, at the, at the brink, I do a lot of crisis response to people who have been suicidal. And indeed, we've had, unfortunately, a number of suicides uh, among the first responders that I serve. So uh, whether I wanted to or not, I had to take a crash course of uh, an emphasis in uh, how do you think about suicide? How can you prevent suicide? Man, uh, it, you know, it's it's tough thinking about because you see the first responders uh, uh, and and we paint them in this box of being, you know, almost superheroes. And at times it's hard to remember or, or we're not given a chance to remember that they're people. And, it, you know, it doesn't, it, it doesn't surprise me, obviously, that rates are higher. I've done plenty of ride-alongs. That's something that I've always been interested in, especially how we're dealing with the mental health aspects, both for first responders and also how they respond, which is fascinating to me. Um, as we're having these conversations about how to change uh, crisis response and, and, and what that could look like. 
you know, Sam, when you are talking to these incredible individuals, these brave first responders, is there uh, is there a reluctance to discuss this? Is this something that you have to help them with, or are a lot of them more open with you? Well, uh, that's one of the things that that I constantly work on. If you're going to work with first responders, you can never take for granted that they're going to open up and trust you. It's the other way around: is that you have to uh, essentially prove that your your trustworthiness. So. I'm constantly working on that. It's a big emphasis in my, if you will, program for the uh, departments that I serve. Uh, try to, to, you know, to make me relatable, make me um, a person that people can confide in. And that job is never done. So as a first responder, there is a huge cultural value of my, about not admitting you're having problems. And part of that is because if you admit you have problems, you're worried you'll lose your job. As soon as I start saying, you know, I'm depressed or, uh, you know, I'm not sure I can handle this. Well, they're going to rotate you out if you can't do your job anymore. And now you lost your job. So, of course, they don't want to admit they've got problems. I can only imagine, and either you correct me if I'm wrong here, but it's it's double when it's a male first responder, because not only are they not supposed, first responders are not supposed to talk about it, they're worried about their jobs, but men have been, we've been had this kind of bashed into us for for longer than I, and we've been alive, that, that men are tough, men don't cry, you know, that that's, was uh, sort of the, the um, uh, teachings that we are trying to end now is that men aren't supposed to show emotion. Right, uh, but, uh... 97% something like that of uh, firefighters are males. Uh, in the police department, I don't know exactly what the percentage is, it's not quite as high a percentage, but it's still largely, uh, predominantly a male-dominated profession. So you've got all that training, as you point out, Jay, that, that we get about we're not supposed to show emotions, we're not to, supposed to be vulnerable. Uh, and then on top of that, you've got a motif within the culture of being a first responder is you are especially not supposed to show any vulnerability if you're a first responder. So yeah, it's, it is a double limit. I might add that if you're a woman that works in one of those professions, let's say you're a female police officer or female firefighter, one of the things that I have found is that there's also a cultural um, milieu where even though you're a female, you're working in a male-dominated world, and so you've got to more or less act like the men do. You you can't show a lot of vulnerability either. So the average uh, female first responder shows about as much vulnerability as the average male uh, first responder does. Now, before we pivot uh, to the next direction, I would love for, Kim, if you wouldn't mind, take a chance to uh, tell my, my listeners where they can find you, uh, where they can follow you, and shout out all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Um, so you can listen to our podcast wherever you get podcasts. Um, we're on all of the major platforms. Um, you can also listen via our website, which is leavingthevalley.com. And if you want to follow us on social media, we're at Leaving Valley on Twitter. We're at Leaving the Valley on Facebook. And we're at Leaving the Valley Show on Instagram. My brother and his wife had their first child recently, and it was a pretty big deal. It was, you know, the first grandchild for my parents. But unfortunately for me, I'm just not that big of a baby guy. Like, I'm super awkward when I hold him. You know, my brother put his, his son in my lap, and my nephew looked up at me with this expression like, you have no idea what you're doing, do you? 
there's pictures they're pretty hilarious but lucky for me thanks to my podcast sponsor kia babies i knew exactly where to go to get the perfect baby gift i got my nephew this adorable little towel it's got these bear ears on it and now my entire family gets to enjoy these really cute pictures of my nephew he's all smiley and he's got bear ears i mean that's pretty adorable right So next time you need a perfect baby gift or just something for your own kid, go check out Kia Babies. You can find a link in my show notes or on my podcast website. And when you check out, tell them to choose your struggle sent you. So let's talk about the podcast for a minute because I I really cannot say this enough. Um, uh, my listeners know that I've, I've talked about your podcast before, as, as you all know, I gave it as my good egg about a month ago for my listeners to go listen, because I think it's so helpful. And y'all talk about a lot of really important uh, information. But not only that, you give tools. And that's, that's something that I think we need more of. Um, you know, I do, I do as much of that as I can, but th- that's not really the, fo- the focus of my show while y'all are really saying, okay, here's, you know, here's some information, but also how to use that. So I, uh, first off, just flat out, you know, working with your family is always difficult. Kimmy, was this something that you had to really convince your dad to do? Or was it really just kind of a, all right, we're going to do this thing? I think it took some convincing, not because my dad was reluctant. I mean, my dad is a ham. Like if you've listened to the what? show, you can. <laughs> uh, it's where I get my love of acting from is the kind of like skits and plays that we would put on as kids. Um but I think my dad did not necessarily understand the scope of the vision I had. <laughs> That's a fair statement. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I, I remember at one point talking to him about, you know, recording the episodes and he's like, yeah, and I was like, and then, you know, we'll have to have a blog and we'll have to have like an episode description and we'll need to do a mail, like a newsletter. And my dad was like, I could see his eyes get so wide. Like, why did I agree to do something like this? Because he is precious little. I mean, he is always on call, my dad. Um, and it's it's awesome. What I like love the most about it is it's great to collaborate with him, but I think it is one more thing on a really full plate um, for him. <laughs> I will say that it's, there's definitely no reluctance, or at least it doesn't come across in the podcast. You know, you, you're right, Kimmy, you are more of the creative push on it. But Sam, you know, it's it's like everything you do is just a, a quote that could be, you know, sent out to, to people who are who are struggling because it's, it's all such great information. Um, you clearly take that piece very seriously. Absolutely. I mean, it's uh, working with Kimmy is fun. I've had the good pleasure. I was teasing about chasing it around because I've been many places and many trips and many things one-on-one with Kimmy over the, uh, over the over her uh, both adolescence and adult life. And so that's always been a lot of fun. So I always, I saw this as kind of like the same thing as a, it's another way of me sort of involving myself in a, way with her life so it's it's not just a a project or a a, a sort of a, a professional experience but it's also a, a a personal opportunity for me to interact with her around a subject that we both have an interest in so this is a question i ask whenever i have podcasters musicians whoever on how has the response been for you in, in 
in terms of people reaching out to say, you know, this is what I took away or this is what it meant to me. But more than that, how has that impacted uh, the way that, that y'all go about the show? Well, we, we've had a great response and we, I hear from random, like my husband's friends will text me like, love the episode this week. And I'm like, what? Like, I can't believe that person is listening as well. Um, and the, we have gotten, what's been really interesting to me is the questions from our audience. So we really hope and invite your audience as well if there's a part of this conversation on suicide or suicide prevention that we're missing, we want to hear what is it, what is it still on your mind? Um, and so we've had people ask questions about like, what if I'm concerned about a friend, my, my child's friend, or what do I do if this comes up in my workplace? And, uh, and these are, I, we hadn't really explored those topics yet. And we've gone about, we're about to launch um, in, the, in the fall, the three-part series on youth suicide, just to try to help them. It's directed specifically to parents, all right? So what do parents need to understand about youth suicide? Um, it's a very long topic. And so getting that kind of feedback has been really exciting. And we've also had people reach out to us on social media who were suicidal, who needed help. Obviously, we can't provide ongoing therapy for them, um, especially since I'm the one who does the social media and I'm not a psychologist. Um, but to be able to direct them to some resources, uh, that's been really meaningful too, to feel like there's a way to offer a hand um, when someone's in need. Yeah, I think what's what you, you mentioned something that I think uh, that, uh, that I want to follow up on, and that is for a long time, there was this idea that if you talk about suicide, it'll make more people commit suicide, which is which is very, very interesting, but also very foolish. It, it, have you seen a lot of the people who are reaching out with questions are really doing so because they just don't know where else to go? So one of the things that Jay, you having listened to a number of our episodes, you know that uh, the the sort of style or the interactional style is it's meant to be conversational, not clinical, and uh, we try to inject a little humor into it as well. And as uh, one of my mentors uh, said, this is this stuff is too important to take seriously. So that's kind of how I think about it: is that how can you make this you know, difficult and important subject? palatable so people could actually talk about it and as you're alluding to suicide is not something that most people talk about certainly not a conversation around the family dinner table and yet it is a major leading cause of death uh, in the United States it's the one uh, leading cause of death that you could probably prevent you could prevent basically all suicides with enough effort so here's this major cause of death. We need to be able to talk about it in order for that to happen. Imagine if we didn't tell people, uh, you know, we, we won't mention anything about wearing seatbelts. Well, you, you tell them to wear seatbelts and you know, it's going to save their lives, right? It's, it's that kind of level of, uh, of uh, risk. In fact, m far more people die by suicide in the United States than die in car accidents. So you could skip the seatbelt conversation and just focus on the suicide and you'd save lives. I'm being silly of course but <laughs> uh, i i think that's a really great message and one that we need to hear that we're not hearing enough of um you know there is still that that stigma around it that you, you should, should just shouldn't talk about it and like i said i think that's starting to die down but but anywhere it's said is still incredibly harmful let's 
get into some some nuts and bolts for a minute. You know, Sammy and Kimmy, if you wouldn't mind giving the listeners now, obviously they need to come listen to your show to get all of the good tips and tricks. But but if you know they themselves are struggling, or if they see a friend who is struggling, just a couple of of you know great uh, instructions on what to do next. Well, I'll, I'll jump in and say the most important and simplest thing to do is, is reach out to that person, just talk to them. We know that the majority of suicides occur because a person feels isolate, isolated and alone. And you may not recognize that's how they're feeling. You may think, well, this is my friend. They know they can call me or something. No, you've got to call them. You have to initiate the contact. You see someone that's hurting. That doesn't, they don't have to tell you that I'm suicidal. Just reach out to them, and you may be preventing a suicide by reaching out and connecting with the person that's hurting. We usually know the people around us who are hurting. So just take that effort to reach out to them, call them, text them, you know, message them in some kind of way to let them know you're thinking about them. That makes a huge difference in terms of uh, the risk of suicide. I think something I've learned in creating this show um, is this idea, you know, when my dad and I were first talking about this, I had this idea that it's like the individual themselves did not recognize that they had become suicidal. And my dad, you know, after we, we've had a, a bunch of conversations on air now, but even more that happened off air where I was trying to sort of wrap my head around the topic and my dad's like, no, everyone is aware that they, they're maybe in denial about the severity of their thoughts, but they know they've had these thoughts. It's the fact that their friends and loved ones may not understand how severe the situation has gotten. So it's like when you're talking about warning signs and um, you know triggering events and things like that, yeah, an individual may be like, gosh, I haven't felt as happy since my divorce, right? Um, and I think most of us would say that's probably pretty normal to after a divorce to be kind of down. Um, but what the disconnect might be for the outsiders is, yeah, and so you should check on your friend <laughs> if you think they're down. And it sounds like such a trivial thing. And I actually think that's one of the um, universally about mental health. People often underestimate the power of a good conversation. And it's like, yeah, what? why don't you call that friend up and just see how they're doing? And even if unsolicited, be like, how about I make you dinner? How about I help you out with mowing the lawn? It doesn't have to be um, that you're offering life-saving advice so much as you're offering them a lifeline that you say, you're not alone. I care about you. And maybe they will confide in you, but also maybe they'll realize that, as we said earlier, the connection between isolation and suicide, maybe they'll just stop feeling so isolated. So Jay, you mentioned earlier uh, about the, that myth that if you ask someone about uh, you know, suicide, that you might prompt them to take their lives. There's plenty of research that uh, disputes that. I'm sure that you know this uh, yourself, uh, but I, I would just say to your audience that uh, it's okay to ask someone, say, you know, I, I know you're going through a tough time. Uh, have you ever thought about taking your life? You can ask a question like that. It's not going to make them think for the first time in life, suicide. There's a novel concept. I never considered that before. That's not what happens. What if people are suicidal, they've already been thinking about it. And if they're not suicidal, and you ask that question, they're more likely to say, What? 
no, I would never do that. And that itself is a good thing for you to know that, no, that's not where they are. And it sort of reinforces for themselves that, no, this, this thing is a bad situation, but I wouldn't do that. That's a good thing for them to be saying to themselves out loud, too. I wanted to just add one thing to the point about uh, talking about suicide, like the contagion factor about suicide. And, you know, there is, there's truth behind that. When reporters go into great deal of detail, when like the media goes into extreme detail about how a person dies by suicide, that may actually bring about copycats. And that's definitely something uh, we have to be sensitive of. We try very hard on the show not to, implant new ideas about ways that one might do something like that. But the flip side is we also know that talking about suicide to someone who is having dark thoughts prevents suicide. So there's a, there's a fine line and there's a difference. And I think what happens is we, we've all understood that first part, like it's, we don't want to have suicide contagion and we certainly don't want to be a part of something like that. But the flip side is, a lot of this stuff is really just, as we say, kind of nuts and bolts, like not about being um, the world's best problem solver, but just about being an empathetic friend. I, I really appreciate both of you for, for your clarifications, because these are the sorts of honest and, and, and fact-driven conversations we need to be having. And, and Kimmy, especially the clarification there between, you know, the, a lot of, I guess a lot of people get that idea of what you were just saying and then extrapolate from that. Oh, that means we shouldn't talk about suicide at all. No, no, no. That's not at all what you're saying. And that's not at all what, what Sam was saying either. You know, it's, it's more nuanced than that. And, and, you know, just reaching out to the person who, who is struggling is so impactful and so important. And I want to sort of piggyback on all that and say, as I do literally every episode, I'll take this as the opportunity, reach out, if you hear this and you're struggling, if you just need someone to talk to, uh, you know, COVID has been really hard on all of us. You are not alone. Uh, I'm here to listen. You know, Kimmy and Sam, <laughs> reach out. They're happy to listen. Uh, we, we will be here for you. So before we go into the sort of final couple of questions, Kimmy, one more time, if you wouldn't give my, my listeners a chance to figure out where they can hear y'all and find y'all. Yeah, you can listen to our podcast Wherever you listen to podcasts, we're on all the major platforms, Apple, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, you name it, um, we're on there. You can listen on our website, leavingthevalley.com. We also have a number of additional resources there, um, books that we love, websites that we love, podcasts that we love, including this one, Yeah. Um, and uh, blogs carefully written by my father, who <laughs> is an expert on suicide prevention. And then, of course, we're on social media. We're at Leaving Valley on Twitter. We're at Leaving the Valley Show on Facebook. And we're, excuse me, we're at Leaving the Valley Show on Instagram. And we're at Leaving the Valley on Facebook. Well, thank you for, for all of this and all your time. Two more questions that I always finish with. Sam, we're going to start with you on this one. You know, during these stressful times, and all times are stressful, but this one's even more so. What are your self-care habits as you're rushing around doing 20 things a day? What are you doing to sort of take a pause and, and, and put a smile on your face? Well, two things. I'm really curious about that, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I have an answer for the question. 
So, well, I'm onto the- what is your daughter making you do? Is the real question, Jason. Well, two things I try to do on a consistent basis. <laughs> One is that I do exercise every day. I can't go to the gym like I usually like to do, but I uh, go for a walk every day and uh, try to, you know, make that uh, sort of a part of my day, uh, almost without exception. And then the second thing uh, that uh, I tried to develop something new, I decided that I needed to incorporate something new that it, one of those kind of things you've been postponing and you think one of these days I'll get around to doing that. So uh, I have uh, started playing the harmonica. So I've been playing, learning how to play a blues harmonica. So I've been uh, doing that every day. I practice my harmonica just, uh, and that really does give me a lot of pleasure and it takes my mind out of a lot of things. Well, that's cool. Uh, I, I hope I get to look forward to a day where you might play a little riff on the show. <laughs> that's going to be a while. <laughs> <laughs> and Kimmy, what about you? I've been uh, both in quarantine, but lately in, in like, I think something of the last several years I've been trying to focus more on is acts, small acts of kindness, including acts of kindness to myself. Um, I think that's sometimes really, I, I noticed this, that we're often more willing to give other people the benefit of the doubt than we are to ourselves. So in my mind, that looks like, you know, uh, the other day I, I ordered groceries for, you know, curbside pickup and I forgot to hit uh, pay. And so I had them all in the cart and I was like, that's weird. I never got a confirmation email and, you know, drove to the grocery store and they were not expecting me because I had never hit send. And it's like, I think in a different time in my life, I would have been like, oh, that's so stupid, you know? Um, but I was like, man, this COVID stuff is really tricky. <laughs> it's, like, it's all of these are new skills that I did not, I did not need to know how to do all of these, check all these boxes, go through all of these things, do all of these online um not that I'm a fuddy-duddy, but, you know, all these online things that I never had to do before. So cut, cutting myself some slack, cutting the people around me some slack for the same reasons. Um, I think it goes a long way. Wonderfully put. I appreciate that. And thank you for the personal story. That's funny. <laughs> um, last question. We'll start with Kimmy this time. Give Sam a second to think about it. Who are some incredible people that you think we should all be reading, following online, uh, whatever the case is, shout out some people who have been influential to you or, or you really hold in high regard. Absolutely. Uh, well, the first person, as soon as you said that, that came to my mind was my mom. Mm. <laughs> she deserves all the shout outs in the world because if you think my dad and I are nice or generous or empathetic, you should meet my mom. <laughs> um, but on the flip side of that, um, I, I loved Michelle Obama's book, Becoming. Um, I thought, and, and it's a, not a really a political book, whoever's listening to this, whatever side of the uh, line they fall on, it's a lot about how we should all be in the stage of going somewhere and that we're not done becoming who we are. Um, and I really took a lot from that. I absolutely love that. My dear friend Val Kaur just released a book, See No Stranger, um, which has resonated with me a lot. Um, that discusses the idea that when you meet someone and they seem different than you, 
these, a part of you you haven't met yet. You are meeting a version of yourself that you haven't met yet. And it really teaches us to embrace our fellow man, even a time where I think that's increasingly more difficult. I like the challenge that she's asking us to rise to, to see no stranger in the other, to find that our commonalities versus our differences. And I think a lot of people say that. I think this is a book that really drives that home. And Sam? Well, for me, uh, I was thinking, uh, um, I, I guess I'm not reading a whole lot of the kind of things that uh, Kimmy's talking about. Those all sound like good ideas. Uh, I, I try to read something that's entertaining and light right now. Uh, I'm reading the, the text version of The Princess Bride. And nice. I, I like reading things that are, uh, that are, pleasant and positive and i try to to do that uh, i was also thinking from a, uh, a nice point of view i'm sorry that i can't pronounce his name properly correctly michael chabon who has written a wonderful book about being a dad uh, and that book is a series of essays it's it's brilliant and funny he's a he's a terrific writer uh, so that that book i'd recommend for any man uh, who's trying to find his way as being a dad. Uh, and and I, I will also give a shout out to my wife. Uh, she is the nicest person on earth. She, she makes me look like a tail of a hun. So uh, it's, it's, you know, <laughs> she's, uh, she's, she's a wonderful person. So I really agree with Kimmy on that. Well, Sam, Kimmy, thank you mu so much for, for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. I'm sure my listeners will, will as well. Keep up the awesome work. I, I love the show and, uh, you know, be excited to see what y'all do next. Thank you so much for having us. It was a real pleasure. Jay, it really was nice uh, being here with you. Thank you for inviting us. And it was really uh, a lot of fun. All right, so I know you've heard me talk about Mountain Made before, but today I want to tell you a little bit about their actual product system. The first is Build. Build is a 50 milligram CBD tablet that saturates your system. The second is Boost. Boost is a 10 milligram CBD chewable with electrolytes and it helps titrate your CBD levels throughout the day. The third is Recover. You take it at the end of the day and it's a 25 milligram CBD chewable with magnolia and helps maximize your rest and recovery. But here's the thing, I don't just talk about it, I actually use it. Boost is my favorite, I take a couple throughout the day and it really leaves me feeling pretty great. So if you add that all together, that's 105 milligrams of CBD every day. And it's at an affordable price too. All of those products are THC free and they ship nationwide. With three easy ways to pay, you can order your CBD today and become a part of the Mountain Mate community just like that. So activate your lifestyle today and go like hell. But don't just take my word for it. With over 25 athletes, lifestyle enthusiasts, clinicians, physicians, all amazing people backing them, their product lines are continuing to prove themselves as the real deal. So you can find out more at www.mountainmade.life or check them out on social media at MNT made. All right, back to the episode. All right, we've come to the end of another episode. Thank you all for tuning in. As always, I hope you check out both the Leaving the Valley podcast and the Simple Podcast Cloud podcast. I've learned so much from leaving the valley, they really approach it in a very interesting and empathetic way. And I appreciate that. 
It was very cool to finally meet both of them and get to know the people behind the podcast. I loved it. And I hope you did, too. All right, here's your card for this week. It's, as always, brought to you by Blurt. This week, it is being read by my mother, Julie. She's back with another card, and here it is. 54 Ways to Ease the Anxious Mind Do some arts and crafts. Thank you, Mom, for that. Very funny moment with my mom on Instagram this week. When I was posting about the, the friends who reached out to say they listened and they loved it and then was using that to make the point that I don't fault anyone for not listening, I told the story of an interview I was on where the interviewer said, you know, what does your mother think about your podcast? And I said, oh, that's so sweet of you to think that she listens. <laughs> Which is very clearly just, it's just a funny thing to say. It was a joke. But I was using that as a point to be like, I seriously don't fault anyone, including my own mother, for not listening. <laughs> she responded to my Instagram story. And she said, but I do listen to every episode. Signed, Jay's mom. <laughs> And, of course, I shared that, and so many people, mostly people who know her friends for a long time and family members, reached out to say how funny that was. And so, very funny moment with my mom on social media this week. Obviously, this episode talked about a very heavy subject of suicide. Uh, it is pretty much the heaviest subject there is. Your good egg is to reach out to someone. You heard on this podcast interview... With the incredible duo at Leaving the Valley, a good way to do that. It can be scary. I know that. I know it can be scary. But reach out and say, how are you? That's how you start. Just say, hey, how are you? And when they say fine, say, no, 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 no. How are you? What's up? Talk to me about your life. And don't be afraid to, to press in a nice way. You know, don't be like, nah, fuck that time. <laughs> Tell me honestly. But be like, no, but, you know, tell me what's going on. Or another way that I've done it is I say, you know, I'm struggling with this. And I tell the person all about it. Because when you show that, as I always say, empathy begets empathy and vulnerability begets vulnerability. So reach out to someone, show your love, and show them that you care. You have no idea the impact you can have. All right. Without further ado, show your empathy. Show your vulnerability, spread some love, and choose your struggle. There's very little better than waking up in the morning to a truly fantastic cup of coffee. And if you're like me, you're looking for something that tastes fresh and isn't weak or overproduced. That's why I've switched to Four Sigmatic and I won't go back. Four Sigmatic mixes their beans with mushrooms to give your brain that jumpstart you didn't know you needed. So go to the link in my show notes or on my podcast page and use the code CHOOSEYOURSTRUGGLE at checkout for 10% off. You can sign up for one of their awesome subscriptions or just try buying a bag. And with their 100% money back guarantee, there's no downside. So check them out today and don't forget the code CHOOSEYOURSTRUGGLE. <laughs> 